Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Notre Dame football game eve. Seven minutes after five o'clock on this Friday, September the 8th of 2023. 24 hours from right now, will we be talking about Marcus Freeman's team taking care of business at North Carolina State to move to 3-0. Will we be talking about, well, facing a better opponent. It wasn't as pretty, but they got the job done. Or is it that other option? North Carolina State on their home field knocking off Notre Dame. We've got a noon kickoff tomorrow to find out which storyline is reality. Our pregame coverage will start at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. The game day show with Jim Arizari and Tim Growl. The interview show is going to run from 7 to 9 a.m. tomorrow. The guest list will include John Adams, Notre Dame NFL running back Anthony Johnson, also on the program. Notre Dame All-American, three-time NFL Pro Bowler, actor as well, Bob Golick, former Valpo High School and Notre Dame running back James Aldridge, and the former voice of the Irish basketball team, Jack Nolan. That is just a sample of the interviews tomorrow morning, game day from 7 until 9 a.m., and then game day sports beat presented by Bud Light with Eric Hansen, Tyler Horka, and I. We've got you covered from 9 to 11 a.m. The Notre Dame National Pregame Show at 11, kickoff at noon. Jim comes back with the great Reggie Brooks for the official Notre Dame football postgame show immediately after the game here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Well, we have a sports beat tonight until 645. Then we have South Bend Cubs baseball. For high school football fans, in particular, Mishawaka football fans, the Mishawaka-Goshen game from Steel Stadium is going to be on our sister station, 96-1 the ton tonight. Brian Miller, Scott Bovenkirk on the call. We've got pregame starting at 645, 7 o'clock kickoff on 96-1 the ton. On the program this evening, I'm going to tell you what I expect out of tomorrow's Notre Dame-North Carolina State game in our opening segment. Also coming up, Tyler Hork and I had a discussion on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel about the Irish offense, and we're going to play back a portion of that conversation. Plus, I'll unveil my personal college football top 25 going into this weekend's action. I just kind of call it the DP poll. We have... Also, our Twitter question of the day, my five keys for the Irish offense to have success against North Carolina State. My NFL predictions for the year, they were made before last night's game. This segment got bumped from last night's show. So we'll go through those predictions. And we have a supersized, we going to Sizzler, we've got four Notre Dame suggestions in our sports wagering segment. We have one college football game tonight to pick. We have two college football games tomorrow and then three NFL games. So a 10-pack of picks coming up. Danger, beware at the end of the program here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Finally, I just need to tell you what you probably already know. You are listening to us on 960 AM WSBT, maybe on the streams at WSBTradio.com. Our WSBT radio app. We've got the video feed going right now on the good old Twitch app. And away we go with our hat trick of opening topics for tonight's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. We begin with what do I expect from the Irish offense against North Carolina State? Now, weather is a factor. Let's start with that. We're watching the forecast closely for Raleigh tomorrow. Here is what the Weather Channel is saying right now about tomorrow's game. At kickoff at noon, cloudy skies, a high of 83 degrees. It's going to feel like 89. A light wind out of the southeast at 6 miles per hour. Then at 1 o'clock, mostly cloudy. 84, 2 o'clock, thunderstorms are possible. With a temperature of 84 degrees, the chance of precipitation at 2 o'clock tomorrow is 60%. At 3 o'clock, as we start to wind down the ballgame, hopefully with no delays, once again, thunderstorms are possible, a 62% chance at 3 o'clock. With a high of 84, it feels like 89 degrees. And then if we have delays, 4 and 5 o'clock, scattered thunderstorms, less than 50% chance. And after 6 o'clock, we're good. But hopefully we are not talking about something like that happening in Raleigh tomorrow. So again, about 2 o'clock, there is a chance for some thunderstorms to pop up. Hopefully they stay away. So I'm making... My thoughts, my suggestions on this game later on, based on a good weather day and rain not being a major factor. 
With that being said, on a good weather day, I think it's going to be a really good day for Irish quarterback Sam Hartman. I agree with my colleague Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com who laid it out this way last night. He thinks NC State's going to try to slow down the Irish rushing attack, opening up some passing opportunities for Sam Hartman. I agree with him. And I think you will see Hartman have a very, very solid day. We've talked about the past. Maybe I've talked about this too much. That NC State has picked off Hartman three times in each of their last two meetings. Wake Forest offensive line, not as good as Notre Dame's. Hartman sacked 13 times over his last three meetings with the Wolfpack. But he's bringing a better offense to Raleigh this time. So I believe Hartman will have a really, really good day for the Fighting Irish. Again, fingers crossed the weather holds up. Then that can change. I'd really like to get more production out of the field wide receiver position. That is the wide receiver that lines up on the wide side of the field. So, for example, if the ball's on the left hash, you have all that real estate to the right of the football, and that's the side of the field that Tobias Merriweather is stationed. Merriweather's been very quiet so far. He has not been targeted a whole lot. The Irish are going to have to get production out of that spot. Maybe that starts tomorrow against NC State. Now, if Hartman is going to have a good day, as I just talked about, this next element is something that can screw that up. You would have to imagine NC State is going to test, challenge, put under attack Notre Dame's two starting offensive guards. They've had their ups and downs so far this year. NC State is hoping to create some more downs, which all of a sudden would make this game too interesting. So Rocco Spindler at right guard, Pat Coogan at left guard. I really think they're going to be challenged early and often by North Carolina State. And I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of pressures coming up the middle to test Spindler and Coogan with their communication with the center and the tackles and force them to make some tough, quick decisions within the interior of that Fighting Irish offensive line. That's my biggest concern going into this game. Are the guards going to hold up? I think the running game may not be as wow explosive if NC State tries to keep it under control, but Audrick Estime is going to get his yards and with Devin Ford out, maybe we see a little bit more of love and price in this game. If you have not heard Devin Ford, who was hit high by a Tennessee State player, sure looked like it should have been targeting. Nothing was called. Ford suffered a concussion. And according to Marcus Freeman, when he met the media yesterday, Ford is still in concussion protocol and will not play against the Wolfpack. 
Hat trick of opening topics number two for tonight. Let's go to the Irish defense. What do I expect from Al Golden's unit against North Carolina State? Well, I think we will see some blitzes mixed in by Coach Golden to try to get to Brennan Armstrong. I called it control chaos. You can't just go recklessly after the quarterback. Stay in your lanes because this is a guy that can hurt you over and over by running the football. We're going to see design runs. We're going to see read options. I think at times we will see him try to scramble out of trouble and pick up yardage. They'll play with tempo. Things the Irish have to deal with on a very, very warm day. I am curious about this. This is part of the chess match. The Irish have two great corners that they feel good about in man coverage. Benjamin Morrison and Cam Harden. They feel really good about Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray as well. But is this a game where Coach Golden might mix in a tad bit more zone? And I bring this up because, again, Armstrong, the quarterback, is someone that is difficult to contain at times. If he's going to scramble out of trouble on passing plays and take off and run, if you're in zone, you're in your areas with the eyes of the player on the backfield, if you're playing man, the corners or the people covering are going to have their back turned to the quarterback chasing those receivers, and that could allow Armstrong to take off for big yardage. So it's a game within a game. Let's see if the Irish play a little more zone to try to keep people in areas in case Mr. Armstrong starts to wander out of the pocket. Do players like Jalen Sneed, maybe Jack Kaiser, maybe Xavier Watts, are they going to act at times as a spy on Armstrong? That's when you have that one player behind the defensive line kind of in a linebacker spot. He goes wherever the quarterback goes. In this case, Brennan Armstrong. That is a tactic that can be used against a highly effective runner. LSU, interestingly enough, against Florida State, took one of the best pass rushers in the country and made him a spy and did not use one of his, dare I say, one of Brian Kelly's terms. They did not use one of his best traits getting after the darn quarterback. He was spying, and at times it didn't work. Let's see if one of those guys or maybe somebody else at times spies on Armstrong. Again, another decision for Al Golden. I'm not overly high on this wide receiving core of NC State. I'm not expecting big things out of them coming into this game. Rosner is the one player I pointed out that – comes from Rice that has some playmaking ability. They've got a freshman they're high on. I just love the Irish defensive backs. You feel like that's going to be a good matchup for this fighting Irish team. And our third and final topic is the top storylines of the weekend in college football. Some of the matchups that stand out because of some national playoff possibility, game-changing type matchups, and also teams that Notre Dame will play. To me, the premier matchup of the weekend is down in Tuscaloosa. 
It'll be number 11, Texas, at number three, Alabama. Jalen Milrow, the starting quarterback for Alabama, had five total touchdowns last weekend in their easy victory over Middle Tennessee. Now a step up in competition, taking on what looks to be a pretty good Texas defense. And that defense has a lot of help from Quinn Ewers back to quarterback this Longhorn football team. Hudson Card, now the starting quarterback for Purdue, entered the Texas-Alabama game in Austin last year in the first half when Ewers went down with an injury. Card was okay, but he had his hands full, and Alabama squeaked out a victory over Texas. Now they meet in Tuscaloosa. Alabama favored by seven. And for the SEC, they have taken some hits early. A chance to get into the win column with a very impressive win over a future SEC opponent, the Texas Longhorns. Well, I would have to imagine all eyes once again are on the Colorado Buffaloes after they went down to TCU and upset the Horn Frogs last weekend, 45-42. Has Deion Sanders created a new trend in college football? You get a new job, you run 75% of the team out of town because that's not what you're looking for, some of those players, and you bring in a brand new team. Wasn't it like 65 additions? And you know what? For one week, it worked out. They beat TCU. And now they come home to a crowd that's going to be out of control probably after no one's showing up for a couple of years. The Nebraska Cornhuskers come to town. Man, that's a good old-fashioned Big 8 matchup in the 90s. Option teams going toe-to-toe. And it's interesting. Colorado was an underdog when the line came out. Then they beat TCU. Now all of a sudden they're favored by three. The entire world is betting on Colorado. Minus three. But the line hasn't moved. Hmm. Makes you wonder. Seems like it would be a Colorado win after Nebraska didn't look great at Minnesota. Colorado by three, and that line's not moving. Hmm. Another top 25 matchup this weekend. You've got number 20, Ole Miss, taking on number 24, Tulane. Jackson Dart, the quarterback for Ole Miss, playing Mercer. Not great competition. Was locked in 334 yards, four touchdown passes. Trey Harris caught six passes for 133 and four touchdowns. They also have Quinshawn Judkins, one of the top running backs in the Southeastern Conference. Kind of a quiet game against Mercer in terms of yards, but 13 carries, 60 yards, two touchdowns. Ole Miss. A big, big offensive weekend against Mercer. Tulane's got a really good quarterback in Michael Pratt. Last weekend, Pratt went 14 of 15 for 294 yards against South Alabama. He had four touchdowns with no interceptions. He also ran it 11 times for 39 yards. Tulane on their home field, a seven-point underdog to the old Miss Rebels. 
That'll be an intriguing game at the back end of the top 25. I picked this game just because every year we hear they're back. Oh, they're back. Oh, they're back. And every year, things go haywire. One of these two teams will suffer a September loss. It is number 23, Texas A&M, taking on the Miami Hurricanes down in South Beach. And this next game shouldn't be close, but it is of interest to Notre Dame. Stanford coming off a 37-24 win over Hawaii, over on the islands in their opening game with a new head coach. They go to the Coliseum to take on number six, USC. Their offense has been as advertised over the first two games against San Jose State and Nevada. San Jose State scored rather easily against USC. Nevada had a tougher time last week. But we'll watch that game closely. A couple of teams the Irish will face later on this year. Stanford at number six, USC. And that's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. 27 minutes after 5 o'clock. Coming up next, we'll talk more on the Fighting Irish Offense. And I'll have my top 25 going into the weekend. I moved up the Irish three spots after last weekend. Their solid play and some teams stumbling early caused Marcus Freeman's team to move up three spots in my poll. We'll talk about that coming up as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Friday evening. Each Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, I join Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka for some Notre Dame football conversation live on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Right now, we're going to play back a portion of that conversation as we were focusing on the Fighting Irish offense. And I asked Tyler, how valuable is Sam Hartman to the Notre Dame quarterback room beyond 2023? I think he's incredibly valuable, and I liked this question to lead things off because when you think rental quarterback, transfer portal quarterback, you're like, okay, we got this guy for a year. It is what it is. We're going to have to figure out something next year. The more and more I watch Sam Hartman interact with these teammates and interact with these quarterbacks in particular, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, I'm like, holy cow, there are some benefits to this beyond 2023. There are benefits to this beyond whatever Notre Dame has in Sam Hartman on the field for the next 10 regular season games, a bowl game, maybe even a college football playoff game. We'll see. I mean, I think people, it's, again, we talked about the, the quality of opponent, not very high in those first couple of games, but it is more reasonable to talk about college football playoff with Notre Dame right now on September 4th than it was on August 25th, the day before they played Navy. So you have that in Sam Hartman, but then you also have a guy who is literally putting on a white penny, uh, a headset, a backwards hat, just like Steve Angeli wears during the games. And I don't know how much actual signaling he was doing for Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie in the second half or whether it was some sort of act. But that act, even if it was an act, was still more than 
the next quarterback at whatever school is going to do. Like he wanted to stay involved. He could have easily just gone to the 20 yard line and said, I'm going to cross my arms and watch the game from here. And I don't need to interact with all of these other people, but he did. I think that was telling. And then there's actually a quote that I'm going to read. Darren, I'll let you say anything that you want while I'm finding this quote though. It was a question that I asked Jason Onye uh, in the post game, but did you get the same sense of some of the stuff that I was just saying that he's helping Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie become starting caliber quarterbacks just with his presence uh, and this is all beyond X's and O's of what he might actually be teaching them in practices. You know, Tyler, as you were talking, the leadership he shows is quite impressive. And I think back to when Jimmy Clausen was here. He just did not have the traits to be a leader. It just was yeah. not in him. Now, from what I remember, it seemed like Charlie Weiss tried to teach him how to be a leader. But you either have those skills or you don't. And Sam Hartman comes across as a genuine young man. He seems someone that has just totally adopted the Notre Dame foundation, the Notre Dame history, just immediately. He appreciates being the quarterback here. And you can tell that he cares about his other quarterbacks. It's kind of funny on his Twitter X overhead picture. It's Kenny Minchie. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but the the little picture is, Hartman, but the bigger picture when you go to his page is actually Kenny Minchie. So I think there is genuine wanting to help these individuals get better. And he has so much experience. In fact, I think his experience against North Carolina State is going to come in very, very handy when you're trying to help your teammates understand this 3-3-5 defense that the Wolfpack have faced. And, And Sam's had his ups and downs against this defense the last couple of years. Now he'll be with a better all-around team this go-around against NC State, but I think everyone has just really kind of fallen in love with this guy. He's earned the respect of the room, and when you have the room, you can deliver very strong messages to your football team. Does Notre Dame need more tempo in its offense after what we saw in the last minute versus Tennessee State? Sam Hartman completes a three-yard pass, then an 18-yard pass, then an 18-yard pass, then a 13-yard pass, then a 24-yard pass, and then a four-yard touchdown to Holden Stays. I mean, that is surgical. That's four straight passes to tight ends, I believe it was, or three of four, um, because Mitchell Evans caught every single one of – he got the 18-yard pass, he caught the 18-yard pass, he caught the 13-yard pass. And I think that was kind of – the the big like wow moment for me is because Notre Dame tight end hadn't caught a, a single pass this season until that point. And then all of a sudden you need to go down the field in a minute and you find Mitchell Evans three times in a row and then you find Holden stays for the touchdown. So it brings up Arrow fans question. If you do this more often, can the tight ends get involved a little bit more? Can Jaden Greathouse have the 24 yard pass that he caught on that drive a little more often? My answer to this, Darren, and I want to get your thoughts as well. There's the coughing that I was mentioning earlier. Um, If you do it more often, does that diminish the value of it? Does that, like, is it make it harder to do it? Like, if this was Notre Dame's base offense and they were going go, go, go all the time, I think you would see a lot of three and outs. I think you would see a lot of incompletions. It just so happened that Notre Dame was playing Tennessee State. And these guys were getting open against Tennessee State defenders. I think it can work 
in the middle of the first quarter or in the middle of the second quarter, whatever it is. Um, and, and that's a thing that Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman have both said is they want to use tempo, but they want to use varying tempo and go fast at some point and then slow it down and, and really confuse the defense in that way. So I don't think Notre Dame is best suited to go fast 60% of the time, 70% of the time. It was working going slow. If, if you consider what Notre Dame was doing uh, before that particular drive slow, it was working. What are your thoughts, Aaron? The first thing that comes to mind for me, I like to go tempo when we're talking outside of an end of a half, when maybe the offense is scuffling. If you can't get any rhythm, maybe try to find some rhythm by doing that. But I don't think going tempo often is a great thing for Notre Dame. Look at all the different packages that they have. Look at all the different personnel you're bringing in and out of the game. So if you're bringing in constant changes to the running back and the wide receiver, the defense is going to be allowed the opportunity to change their 11 players. That's when, was it the umpire? Someone comes in over the ball and, and holds the snap, letting the defense change. So I think it's kind of counterproductive just considering how much Notre Dame wants to use different packages and try to, I guess, use the best elements of each player in certain situations. I, I just think that kind of takes away from that. So I only like to see it if you just need to get something going rhythm-wise or if you're at the end of the half. I like what Notre Dame's doing. I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, and that goes to uh, Mike Hansen. Thank you for the comment live on YouTube. Tempo for two-minute drive or to capitalize off a turnover. I kind of like that. We haven't really seen an, an opportunity where Notre Dame gets the ball like at midfield after a pick or something. I know um, they had the Ramon Henderson pick. I uh, can't remember exactly what happened immediately after that drive, but in a big game, yeah, if you get the ball when you're not expecting to get the ball and all of a sudden Clemson's defense is running onto the field or NC State's defense is running onto the field and you hit them quick um, with some tempo, I like that. But, yeah, it's not time to be a prisoner of the moment and say, hey, Notre Dame scored in 38 seconds on six plays, went 80 yards to do it. Let's do that all the time keep that card close to the vest and say, we're, we're going to use it only when necessary. It's kind of like the, um, the almighty card that you only use in certain situations, right? You want to keep that in your hand. Don't put it on the table and then have it not work. And then all of a sudden uh, the, the blueprint is out on how to stop it, whatever it is. Again, uh, I'll finish this conversation by saying what I said at the start of it. I think if you use it too much, um, one, Darren, you, you can't get the personnel on the field that you want to, which you were talking about. And two, you run the risk of just kind of muddling what you already had going. Like that was Hartman's 12th drive of the season, and it was an 11th touchdown. That means he was 10 of 11 before that without needing to speed it up and go fast and whatnot. To me, I think it's just a good thing for Notre Dame to have in the back pocket, to have a quarterback where the coach can say, hey, I'm going to call two timeouts while these guys are trying to get a field goal um, instead of having the, you know, there were a lot of teams and maybe even Notre Dame was one of these teams last year where they would have been content with the half ending on a field goal try from Tennessee State and saying, all right, we'll take 28 to three or 28 to six. This year, Notre Dame is a team that says timeout, timeout. Let's get number 10 on the field and go get seven points going the other way in a minute. 
keep that card in your back pocket. You don't need to use it all the time. That was from Tyler Hork and I's conversation live on Monday on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. And we will talk more about Notre Dame football and their matchup with NC State on Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. More weekday sports feed brought to you by Budweiser coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 547 at WSBT. Welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years, Folds of Honor, and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, September is Hunger Action Month. How you choose to help end hunger, learn more at feedindiana.org. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies, visit betheluniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Darren Pritchett back with you, 11 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Right now, let's talk a little more college football getting set for week two action. Got some action tonight in college football. Louisville played last night, playing an inferior opponent. So we've got Illinois and Kansas, one of the games tonight, and a big slate of games coming up tomorrow. So going into the top 25 action this weekend, let's go ahead and talk about some of the teams that are right now hoping to have some playoff aspirations as the season goes on. We're very early in the year, but everybody has their top 25s. I have my little DP top 25. So let's go through some of the teams that I'm kind of high on at this particular time. We'll go through them pretty quickly here. We'll start at 25, second straight week. Illinois has come in at 25. I still think they're going to win the Big Ten West. They've got a matchup at Kansas tonight. Now they Needed a last-second field goal to beat Toledo at home last weekend. Toledo, the defending MAC champion, with a majority of their starters back. That's a really good MAC team. Illinois' defense was not at its best. I think it'll be better tonight. At 24, I have Notre Dame's opponent, North Carolina State, down three spots to 24. Just was not overly impressed with the Wolfpack at Connecticut. In particular, their passing attack. Now we'll see them against the Irish and have a better feel for North Carolina State. At number 23 in my poll, down 11 spots, the Clemson Tigers. I had a hard time keeping them in my poll, honestly. 
That was a horrendous performance. Cade Klubnik did not look like an elite quarterback that was developing in front of Dabo's eyes. It was a night of discombobulation at Duke losing. 28-7, Clemson's going to have to win me back. At 22, the team that beat Clemson, the Duke Blue Devils, I did not have them ranked last week. Riley Leonard, he just seems like a winner. He's going to make everybody better around him. The Blue Devil quarterback's going to be a handful when the Irish take on Duke at the end of the month. At number 21, a newcomer, the Colorado Buffaloes. Didn't see that coming. The performance by Deion Sanders' team with all those new players gelled together. Dylan Edwards, the former Irish running back commit, was outstanding coming out of the Buffalo backfield. They got it done at TCU, now home against Nebraska tomorrow. At number 20, up four spots, is Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin's team. Plastered Mercer, now a tough road game against Tulane tomorrow. I think that rushing attack for Ole Miss might be the difference. Well, I've got them at 19 right now, but they'll screw it up at some point. The Miami Hurricanes up three spots from last week. They beat the other Miami, former Irish coordinator Chuck Martin's team. At number 18, DJU looked really good at quarterback for Oregon State as they beat San Jose State. But DJU looked very comfortable, looked like the best current or former Clemson quarterback last weekend. Beavers up five spots to 18. I moved Oklahoma up seven, or actually three spots to 17 after they crushed a really bad Arkansas State team. Number 16, Oregon up three spots this week. They have their hands full, I think, in what Lubbock against Texas Tech tomorrow. At number 15, North Carolina moves up one spot. Carolina beats South Carolina in a good quarterback matchup. Drake May, not a surprise, got the best of Spencer Rattler. At number 14, a team that just kind of goes about their business. Nothing flashy about him. The defending Big 12 champions. Kansas State up one spot to 14. We'll learn more about this team tomorrow in Tuscaloosa. Number 13 on my poll, up one spot, the Texas Longhorns. They need Quinn Ewers to have a marvelous game to take down Nick Saban's team in Tuscaloosa. At number 12, boy, Penix looked good at quarterback for Washington in their opener as they crushed Boise State that was supposed to be a good game. No, sir. Huskies up one spot to number 12. I moved Brian Kelly's team down nine spots to 11. What a horrendous performance by Kelly's team in the second half as they got rolled by Florida State. Outcoached, outplayed, out everything. LSU, you got some work to do. At number 10, Tennessee. They beat Virginia in their opener in Knoxville. Really interested to see the Tennessee offense throughout the year with Joe Milton at quarterback. Are they going to have a lot of consistency? How are they going to do against the better teams? Coming in at number nine, Utah. They beat Florida at home in their opener. They're up one spot. I've got the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame ranked number eight in my poll this week. They're up three spots from last week. Again, after beating two inferior opponents, A good amount of detail will be gathered on the Fighting Irish tomorrow in Raleigh. At number seven, this was a tough team to put in the poll. 
Ohio State down three spots to seven, in my opinion. After McCord looked shaky at quarterback and Ohio State could not blow out Indiana down in Bloomington. At number six, Alar and Penn State. I think they're going to be a handful this year in the Big Ten East. Not sure they'll beat both Ohio State and Michigan. They're going to be a tough out. Penn State up two spots to six. My top five this week in my college football poll, number five, Caleb Williams and USC up one spot. They should cruise by Stanford tomorrow. Up three spots to number four, Florida State after demolishing BK and the Bayou Bengals. Jordan Travis has been around forever. He looked terrific against LSU in full control of that seminal offense. Coming in at number three, up two spots, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They will be as good as their quarterback play. Milrow, can he get the job done in the air consistently? He can run it, man. He's as good as anybody. But what will the Bama passing attack look like against better teams? We'll get a good sample tomorrow against Texas. Number two, the Jim Harbaugh-less Michigan Wolverines, led by J.J. McCarthy. And I've still got Georgia number one in my poll until somebody knocks them off. Everybody's saying they play a weak schedule. All those SEC fans, oh, Georgia doesn't play anybody. Well, do you realize they're playing all your bad teams that you probably root for? 5.56 is our time. That's my top 25 going into this weekend's action, even though the Irish are playing their third game. This is officially week two of the college football season. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. On yesterday's program, I asked on my Twitter X account, 960 Sports Beat, of these choices, what is the most likely outcome or headline of the Notre Dame NC State football game? Your choices Hartman stays hot, Notre Dame rolls. Irish run over and through the pack. The defense stymies NC State. And NC State stuns Notre Dame. Weird voting. We had ties all over the place. Tied for third, defense stymies NC State. And NC State stuns Notre Dame at 7.7. And we had a tie for first at 42.3%. Hartman stays hot, Notre Dame rolls. Irish run over and through the pack. I would lean toward Hartman stays hot and Notre Dame rolls. And now we go to today's question, which you can find on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Sorry, a lot of talking in this segment. Need a little water for the voice. Okay. What is the correct parlay for tomorrow's Notre Dame North Carolina State game? So here are your four choices. Number one. Notre Dame laying the seven and a half and the total points in the game over 50 and a half. Choice number two, Notre Dame once again laying the seven and a half, but this time total points is under 50 and a half. The third choice, you take the home dog, North Carolina State plus seven and a half and over 50 and a half points. And the fourth and final choice, NC State plus seven and a half, but the total goes under 50 and a half. 
I'd love to get your input. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. We will pass along the results on tomorrow's program. And so far, Twitter has not gotten the parlay right each of the first two games. Let's see if we can get it done today. It is 559 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. We've got 45 minutes left in the program. Still to come, my five keys for the Irish offense to have success tomorrow. My NFL predictions and a 10-pack, I mean 10, sports wagering suggestions from games tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday in the National Football League. All coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT South Bend. Terrific Friday, nine minutes after six o'clock at WSBT Radio. The Irish down in Raleigh getting set for tomorrow's noon kickoff against North Carolina State. Once again, our pregame coverage begins at 6 a.m. At 7 a.m., game day with Jim Arizari and Tim Growl. The interview show will feature John Adams, Notre Dame NFL running back Anthony Johnson, Notre Dame All-American, three-time NFL Pro Bowler Bob Golick. You've got the former voice of the Irish basketball team, Jack Nolan, and Valpo High and Notre Dame running back James Aldridge, just for the guests on tomorrow morning show. And then from 9 to 11, game day sports beat presented by Bud Light, featuring Eric Hansen, Tyler Hork, and I. Two hours of pregame coverage as we talk all things fighting Irish football. Then at noon, kickoff, Notre Dame, North Carolina State. And then after the game, Jim returns with Reggie Brooks for the official Notre Dame football postgame show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Today's My Five, the five keys for the Irish offense to have success tomorrow against the North Carolina State 3-3-5 defense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. First off, let's get a little something out of that field wide receiver spot. The starter is Tobias Merriweather. For whatever reason, not much coming from that spot. You're seeing good productivity from JT, Jaden Thomas, Chris Tyree's getting some touches. The tight ends got involved last week. Running backs have made catches, but that field spot's a little bit of a question mark right now. So let's see if Tobias Merriweather can spark that spot and make the offense even more dangerous and unpredictable. Four! This is a big one. The guards need to be really good. As I told you earlier in the program, to me, this is one of the key spots in the game I would have to imagine. I would be shocked if it doesn't happen. But based on the tape, NC State is going to come after the two Notre Dame starting guards, the new guys, Coogan and Spindler. You would be foolish not to put them under pressure early, force them to make the correct decision, cause havoc at the line of scrimmage if you're North Carolina State. 
If the guards hold up, then Sam Hartman's going to be just fine in this ball game. Time to find targets down the field. And we'll see if the guards and the pressure put on them affects the running game at all. I love the pulling guards the Irish have done over the first couple of ball games, including that touchdown run by Jeremiah Love against Tennessee State. The guards pulled, and then on the backside, here comes Joe Alt, about 30 yards down the field, getting involved in helping Love find the end zone for the Fighting Irish. But the Notre Dame guards are going to be challenged. They need to be really good in this matchup against North Carolina State. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. This is an area I think we will find out if this is an area of concern or if we're going to be okay. Against Navy, I could not give you a great answer on wide receiver separation because wide receiver separation was there because Navy's defensive backs were playing so far off the receivers. Tennessee State didn't have the manpower. NC State has a couple of veteran corners who have actually caused Sam Hartman some issues, although I think the bigger problem is the Wake Forest offensive line causing Hartman into some picks. But wide receiver separation, it's been a factor in the past. Is it anything we have to worry about this year? This will be a good test against those NC State corners. Can Jaden Thomas get that? extra couple of feet of separation to make that throw easy for the 24-year-old quarterback. Can Merriweather get open? Tyree. I hope it's not anything we have to worry about. It was one of my concerns coming into the year. Good test for the wide receivers against this NC State secondary. Number two. Well, this is more of an opinion than facts. But this is Darren talking. Release the three-headed running back monster okay i know it's probably going to be a four-headed monster the fifth element devin ford will not participate tomorrow due to the concussion suffered in the tennessee state game personally audric estime jadarian price jeremiah love that's my big three i want them to carry the load i know Payne has elements of his game that are beneficial including pass protection dependable running the football I'm a two-headed monster guy at running back but I'm altering my thoughts knowing what Notre Dame's going to do so I'd love to see for a majority of the game that three-headed running back monster unleashed and it could be some tough going for that running game tomorrow at times I think NC State's going to do what they can to try to slow that part of the Irish offense down number one and number one plays into number four a little bit. Protect Sam Hartman. Are the guards going to be able to hold up? You feel good about the tackles. The center position's been very, very solid. I would have to imagine NC State might come in with some of those dynamic blitz packages that I've wondered out loud about if Al Golden's going to unleash in this ball game. I think NC State has to try to be creative cause disruption in that Irish offensive line and get Sam Hartman off time. If they don't, it could be a long day for that NC State defense. Again, I hope the weather holds. It's been raining off and on today in Raleigh. Chances for rain throughout tomorrow's ball game. 
Hopefully the rain stays away because I think Sam can have a fantastic day tomorrow. That is the My Five, the five keys for the Irish offense to get the job done tomorrow against the NC State 335 defense. A timeout, and then it's prediction time for the National Football League. I made these picks before last night's Lions Chiefs game. You can tell it was before the game because I had the Chiefs as the number one seed in the AFC, and they bit the dust last night at home at the expense of the good old Detroit Lions. Lions fans, congratulations. I know you're enjoying it. You have not had a lot to cheer about through the years, but that was a heck of a win. And as much as I love Mike Tirico, to bring up that asterisk in the postgame because they didn't have Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, and Detroit beat the Chiefs without those two who are great players, I think very unfair. Very unfair to Detroit, who won in one of the more difficult stadiums in the National Football League against arguably the best player in the NFL. I wonder if the Chiefs had wide receiver tryouts today. Because, man, how many passes did they drop? Seven or eight? Nine? Tony dropped three big ones. No wonder Danny Dimes in New York was inconsistent. Maybe because Tony couldn't catch the ball. (laughs) Good riddance out of New York. All right, 6-18. We'll talk some NFL next. Then we'll get to our 10-pack of Sizzler picks here on WSBT. All right, it is 621 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960, WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. We had... Thursday night football on WSBT radio last night. The Detroit Lions go to Kansas City and take down the defending world champion Chiefs. And now the Lions have a little bit of a jump start on all the teams in the NFC North, the Vikings, and of course the Bears and Packers who square off at Soldier Field. That game can be heard on Quality Rock 94.3 FM Sunday at 1 o'clock. Well, I made these picks before last night's game, and the Chiefs are my number one seed in the AFC. That looks a little shaky right now, but they're going to get some of their better personnel back, and if those wide receivers aren't going to catch passes, they'll dump them and bring in some people who can catch passes from maybe the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. So let's go through some predictions for this season. We'll start in the National Football Conference, NFC East. It got powerful last year. I think the Commanders come in fourth, but they're going to be a much better football team than last year. Can't wait to see Sam Howell, the old Carolina quarterback, in charge of that offense full-time. I've got the Cowboys third. I'm still all in on the Giants. Love their head coach, Dable. The weapons are better around Danny Dimes. I got the Giants second. And the Eagles, the defending NFC champions, winning the East once again. And the NFC North... Better football team, better talent. They're coming, but I got the Bears fourth. The Vikings lost a lot of talent in free agency. I dropped the Vikings to third. I've got the Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love second. They're without Christian Watson for the Bears game. They're outstanding receiver. That hurts. And I've got the Lions, the team to beat in the NFC North. In the NFC South, where anything goes, 
It's hard to name many of these quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield and the Bucks fall to fourth without Tom Brady. Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers come in third. Still a great defense. I might have undervalued them a tad bit. I've got the Falcons with Bijan Robinson now at running back. What are they going to get out of Desmond Ritter, the old Cincinnati quarterback? He's in charge of the offense. Falcons second, and I got the Saints based on a pretty good defense and Derek Carr winning the NFC South. In the NFC West, Cardinals are trying to lose. They will. They're fourth. Rams look like a beat-up football team right now, rebuilding their third. Seahawks are young. I think their running game will be a lot better this year. I think they'll be second. And the 49ers have a tough schedule, but I've got them number one again. So my NFC seeding, Eagles 1, Lions 2, Niners 3, Saints 4. My wildcard teams, Seahawks 5, Giants 6, Cowboys 7. Now to the AFC. In the AFC East, where there is a lot of drama, Bill Belichick and the Patriots end up in the basement. That looks pretty. Tua Tagovailoa, can he stay healthy at quarterback for Miami? That is a big, big question. That's why I'm a little hesitant on the Dolphins to finish any higher. I'll pick them third in the AFC East. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets live up to some of the hype. They're second. Not a lot of people talking about the Bills right now. Still a very talented football team with Josh Allen. I think they will edge, and I mean edge the Jets and win the AFC East. Maybe the most balanced division, the AFC North. Well, the Browns have a ton of talent. They're in the wrong division. Deshaun Watson, is he going to return to his old form that he had in Houston before the suspension? Questionable. Browns fourth. Steelers, I think, are going to be really, really good. Kenny Pickett's coming on at quarterback. I've got the Steelers third, and then a tight battle for first. I'm going to go with Ravens two and Joe Burrow and the Bengals one. In the AFC South, I think the Colts are one of the least talented teams in the NFL. I've got them fourth. Texans, I love their head coach. I think they'll figure out a way to piece together some wins and finish third. Titans are going to be better than you would expect. Two. And I'm going to say the Jaguars by a game over the Titans. Jacksonville wins the AFC South. And the good old AFC West. The Las Vegas Raiders will come in fourth place. They trade in Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo. I've got Justin Herbert and the Chargers dropping down to third. Sean Payton, now the Broncos head coach, will make Denver a little better. They're not going to win the division. They're not going to make the playoffs. But a chance to be a little better than 500. 500 might be fairer to say. Denver second and Kansas City still the team to beat in the West. So my seeding in the AFC, Chiefs one, Bills two, Bengals three, Jaguars four, the wild card teams, Ravens five, Jets six, Steelers seven. My prediction for the NFC Championship, I've got the Eagles going back to the show as they beat the Lions in Philadelphia for the NFC Championship. In the AFC, sixth straight year, the AFC Championship game goes through Kansas City, but the Bills knock off the Chiefs, and we have an Eagles-Bills Super Bowl. 
with the city of Philadelphia enjoying a championship. And, man, I hate to do it to the Bills. That would be 0-5 in the Super Bowl. As a Bronco fan, man, I know what it's like to be 0-4. And when you win that first one, it is extra sweet. I hope the Bills fans get to enjoy that someday. But I've got the Eagles reigning supreme in the National Football League this year. Now, a reminder, WSBT Radio will bring you all of the primetime games live here on 960 AM, just like last night's Lions-Chiefs game. We've got Cowboys and Giants Sunday night, Monday night, that great matchup. The Bills and the Jets from MetLife. So some really good primetime games to start off the year. Our sister stations will be busy on Sunday. Quality Rock 94.3 FM will be your home for Chicago Bears football. 1 o'clock on Sunday, catch the Bears and Packers. And 96.1 The Ton has the rebuilding Indianapolis Colts here every game on 96.1 The Ton. They've got Jacksonville down at Lucas Oil in that opener at 1 o'clock. It's going to be fun to watch Anthony Richardson take over that Colts offense, and hopefully he stops that trend of a different quarterback starting every year next year. Let's hope he plays well. He's an exciting kid. Great arm, fast, seems to be really working hard down there in Indy to put himself in the best position to succeed. It is a shame that this young kid, the fourth overall pick in the draft, has so much on his shoulders when it should be running back Jonathan Taylor taking on a big chunk of that offensive load. But he's holding out for a big contract, wants to be traded. Colts did not get what they were looking for in a trade before the rosters were set. So the trade deadline is Halloween in the National Football League. Anthony Richardson with Jonathan Taylor, he would have so much better of a chance to succeed. That's a major, major hole in that Colts offense. All right, so those are some predictions for the National Football League. We've got some sports wagering talk next as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame, North Carolina State, kicking off at noon tomorrow on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 